Now everybody telling me a lie Know they give me something for my soul See, I don't wanna think of suicide Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and you know, you know, God works in mysterious ways, man. The NBA season starts tonight, and I wanted to devote a whole show to, you know, just talking about this upcoming season, giving my predictions, and I'm like, yo, it's, this show is going to take forever because NFL, and this, that, and the week, this, that, and the third, and luckily, this was a slow week for sports. Ain't nothing, in the, ain't nothing happening in the NFL. The Jets got whooped. Uh, Patrick Mahomes got hurt. I'm not saying that the, the Kansas City Chiefs are out of it, but the next two games is against Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings. So, <laughs> um, Deshaun Watson lost. Lamar Jackson's been running over people left and right. He's looked incredible. That, that was pretty much, oh, I'm sorry. The Redskins lost again to the undefeated uh, 49ers. That's pretty much all the football, all the uh, important stuff, you know what I mean? So thank God for that. That is, is there anything else you wanna talk about? Nope. Nope. That was the NFL. Uh, AB still don't, still don't got a team. Yeah, that's the NFL. So without further ado, let's talk about what I wanna talk about. The NBA season is back tonight with the Clippers and Lakers playing. I am so excited, man. Like, I don't think y'all understand how much I love the NBA. In fact, if y'all look in the back, right, y'all realize that there's only one football jersey, and that's the, that's the RG3 jersey. Like, I love the NBA that much. I'm not biased because I love all sports, don't get me wrong. But if I had to choose a sport, just one sport to watch my entire life, it is, it is basketball, hands down, no questions asked, 10 out of 10. So I'm excited that the NBA season's back, and for this episode, we're going to talk about a couple storylines going into the season. I'm going to give y'all five bold predictions, and I'm going to give my predictions for, or five bold, yeah, five bold predictions, and I'm going to give my season award prediction, you know, the MVP, this, that, and third. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, as the biggest story coming into this year actually dropped yesterday is Zion Williamson will be out for six to eight weeks after he's recovering from surgery after tearing a meniscus. Now, a lot of people are trying to downplay this injury, and I get he's young. I think he's what, like 19? He hasn't really played, he hasn't played any meaningful basketball yet when it comes to the NBA. But this is why I will be so concerned about Zion Williamson. Now, no, I'm not saying that Zion Williamson is going to be a bust now. I'm not saying that this career, I mean, this injury is career-defying, even though it hasn't started. One thing I will say, though, is Zion Williamson not only does have a history of injury, but his body type is unlike a body type we've ever seen. Let me not say that. His body type alongside his athleticism is like something we've never seen. We've never seen somebody that big I think when he came into summer league, he was like 285. I think he looks like he got a little bit skinnier, but we've never seen somebody that big, that agile before. So when you have so you put so much force onto you know your lower extremity with your 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 weight and your height, that's something that always needs to be you know always need to be taken into consideration when we when we 
throw out caution to a player, especially a player now dealing with injury. And the fact that, I mean, he's the number one draft pick, but he's one of the most hyped draft picks of all time. I would say it's LeBron James, then Zion. Like, he's coming in, and people are expecting him to be the, the Lord Messiah's son come day one. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he's not a great player, but with those expectations, there's a lot that, that he has to live up to, or a lot of people are expecting him to live up to. So coming into the NBA season with an injury, especially an injury like a torn meniscus, where he'll miss six to eight weeks, Yes, I think he'll be able to recover, but when I say that you have to be extremely cautious and, and worried if you're a Pelicans fan or Pelican, the Pelicans organization, is because Zion Williamson is your franchise. You lost AD. You, you, you got the number one draft pick. You got you know the number, what, four or five draft pick, traded that, and losing, a, losing a, AD... You with AD left hope until you got it back with the number one draft pick. So now having the number one draft pick, you need to people not only in New Orleans but in the NBA see hope in Zion. So with that, and I'm not saying that the whole NBA is on his back or the whole you know he has to carry the whole NBA. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is. With a player that big and, and, and that, for lack of a better term, freakish, we want to see what he's made of. We want to see if all the hype. Now, no, I don't think that he'll, he'll exceed. I don't think he'll be like the player that we all are hyping him to be. I don't think he'll be the next coming of LeBron right now. I don't, I don't think there'll ever be another LeBron. I don't think that he'll, he'll, be a be a a trendsetter because ain't nobody that big and that that athletic. But I do believe that not only just fans but people in general want to see Zion do well and want to see Zion wreck the league. So with this injury, it's like uh, it's tough because you want the best for a player, but you don't know. And this injury just puts another question mark. Mike Wilbon was talking about uh, throughout Derrick Rose. For people that don't know, first of all, if you watch this podcast and you don't know the history of Derrick Rose's injury, I don't know why you watch the podcast. But for people that don't know, um, Derrick Rose was, man, before his injuries, he was arguably, if not the, the most athletic point guard of all time. Uh, he was a phenom, especially for the for the uh, for the city of Chicago and everything that he stood for when it comes to basketball. He was a phenom, but then of course you know about the meniscus and the ACLs. And after that first, after that first, uh, I think it was a meniscus or ACL tear. A lot of people questioned if Derrick Rose would come back or, you know, be back because a player that athletic, sustaining an injury like that, it's kind of like you don't know. But then Derrick Rose came back, and he, he didn't look as athletic that he was, but he was, say, if he was at a 10, when he came back, he was like an 8. 
But then what happened? He got injured again, and then that injury continued to matriculate, matriculate, matriculate down to the point where if you look at this Derrick Rose now, while he's productive, he, is, he looks and plays absolutely nothing like his MVP self. The only thing that Derrick Rose does have is, of course, he has the finishing ability when it comes to layups. When it comes to under-the-rim fin- under finishing ability, he still has that, and he's still quick as, quick as hell. Derrick Rose is still one of the fastest players in the NBA, but his athleticism, his bounce isn't there that it was for the, or it wasn't, it's not the same like it was during his MVP season. The thing about Zion, and I'm not saying that Zion's going to go the same route as Derrick Rose. Do not hear me saying that. But what I'm saying is Zion is bigger than Derrick Rose. Probably more athletic, but bigger than Derrick Rose. So when you're already dealing with meniscus problems and you already have a history, because he, he got injured in high school, he got injured in college, and he's injured now. And he hasn't even played, he only played a couple preseason games. Derrick Rose, I mean, Zion is bigger than Derrick Rose, so that's, you should have extra caution. No, I'm not saying, and no, it wasn't the same injury, but when you're dealing with lower extremity injuries, you need to be cautious, especially with someone like Zion. So I hope Zion gets well. Uh, I hope Zion gets, gets, comes back to 100% because nobody, I don't wish injuries upon anybody, but this is something that not only the, the, the Pelicans, but the league itself has to be concerned about because Zion, and, and it's, it's kind of tough thinking about it, but Zion, you have to think of Zion as a commodity. A lot of teams think of him as a commodity before they think of him as a person. Zion Williamson is a commodity. Zion Williamson is probably the most exciting thing the NBA has seen in a while because we're, we're, we're just getting over the, the Golden State era. While that wasn't exciting, this is something new. This is something fresh. The last time a rookie came into the league that, that garnished any type of or, or anything close to this excitement was probably Anthony Davis. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you could say Lonzo Ball, but that was more of the LaVar Ball thing. But, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope Zion Williamson gets better soon. You know, I hope he has a speedy recovery. I hope, and I hope that the Pelicans don't rush him, man. Uh, teams that have players like Zion or teams that aren't used to success. While the Pelicans had AD, I think they only made the playoffs tw- three times with Anthony Davis, I believe. And only got out the first round once with Anthony Davis, I believe. So with teams like that, or once or twice, with teams like that, they, they have a tendency to rush players. They have a tendency to think of the fans and think of the revenue before they think of the player. So they rush them back, um, which then you're susceptible to injury, uh, another injury. So I hope that the Pelicans don't do that. I hope that they take their time. Um, yes, the West is a gauntlet, and we'll talk about that this year, but... Uh, I just, I just hope that they take their time with Zion and, and he gets well soon. So another storyline that the NBA season, of course, is dealing with is the battle for LA. That's with the Lakers and the Clippers. 
Um, this offseason was big for both franchises. The Lakers got Anthony Davis. Um, they got Dwight Howard. They got Avery Bradley. Uh, they did ship out Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, but of course you heard what they got back. And then the Clippers, they got um, Paul George as well as Kawhi Leonard, and they didn't really give up anybody. They had to get. They gave up. Uh, I mean, Danilo Gallinari, but you know, <laughs> and 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 they did give up Shea's Gilders Alexander, who's going to be really good for the uh, OKC Thunder. Mark my words. But this is the first time. <clears throat> I can really think where both Los Angeles teams can see themselves at the top of the NBA. Um, yes, you have the years. Of course, you have the multiple, multiple years of the Lakers being good. And you have the few years of the Pel- I mean, the Clippers being good with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. But in those years, the Lakers weren't good. The Lakers were trash. The Lakers were just getting out of the Kobe era. Um, you had the D'Angelo Russells. You had you know the, those eras. So that this was this is the first time I believe that I can remember that both teams are really good, and both teams have you know you have LeBron James who's still arguably the best player uh, in in the world. You have Anthony Davis who's top five. You have Kawhi Leonard who's top five. You have Paul George who's in my opinion top ten. You know you have so much talent in L.A. You're gonna jockey between who's you know who's gonna be good, uh, or no? They're both gonna be good, but who's gonna be the top? One thing I will say is both teams have hidden weaknesses that a lot of people aren't gonna talk about, and a lot of people aren't gonna aren't going to acknowledge until the until you really start to see the regular season. For the Lakers, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. Outside of that, though, and Dwight Howard a little bit, but he is most definitely not the Dwight of old. That is an old team. And, and LeBron James is getting up there in age. Yes, he's still a freak of nature, but that's an old team. The youngest play, One of the youngest players that you have is Kyle Kuzma and Anthony Davis. However, you're, that's, that's putting a lot on their shoulders because this team, as in the Lakers, is going to be heavy, to me, on load management because they know... With the talent that they have, they don't have to worry about the regular season too much. The only worry that they have to have is that falling in the standings, they're good enough on a bad day to still make the playoffs. They're good enough just to to coast through to win 50, 52 games. They're good enough. You know, with... There's there's games where LeBron James might only have to play 15, 20 minutes and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis carry the load. There's games where Anthony Davis might not play as much and LeBron James won't play as much. But then you have hope, which they're hoping for, Kyle Kuzma, you know, carry the load. So they're expecting the lowest management will be huge for this team. With that being said, it is an old team. Rondo's getting old. Dwight Howard's getting old. And LeBron James you know, coming off of the, the, the biggest injury of his career, he's up there in age. Even though he's still great, he's up there in age. A.B. Bradley's up there in age. Contavious Caldwell Pope's up there in age. You have a very, you have an old team. And with, with you know, age comes rust. And when I say rust, as in, yes, load management's going to be big, but 
with load management comes losses sometimes. Sometimes, you, you know, while they will make the playoffs, I'm not 100% sure the Lakers or the Clippers will meet in the Western Conference Finals. They can be in round two because I don't see either one of them making the uh, being the first first uh, number one overall seed. And, I, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But another thing that the Lakers have that's hidden is outside of Danny Green and maybe KCP, they don't really have too many shooters. I don't trust LeBron James when it comes to shooting like that. I don't trust Anthony Davis when it comes to shooting. I definitely don't trust Avery Bradley. I definitely don't trust Rajon Rondo. Of course, I mean, it's Dwight Howard's a center. They, they don't have too much shooting. So in a, in a league that is full of, you know, getting points and, and scoring and shooting, they, I don't, right now, I don't see they have enough. Now, do I think that they'll try to make a trade or try to pick somebody up closer to trade deadline or, or the buyout market? Yes, I do. Uh, I think if they get a player like Andre Godala while he doesn't shoot too well, his leadership and his defense is big. And that's another thing. We need to, this, the, the Lakers defense might not be the best. LeBron James has taken a couple, a couple years off playing defense. I think Anthony Davis is going to be great. I think Dwight Howard is, is getting a step slower. Rajon Rondo is getting a step slower, and he doesn't even come alive until the playoffs. Danny Green is okay, but quiet as it's kept. Danny Green has been slowly on a decrease when it comes to defense, as well as Avery Bradley. And Kyle Kuzma never played defense like that, especially last year. So I think that there's there's a couple flaws against shooting, um, defense, uh, and age that could plague the Lakers moving closer to the playoffs. For the Clippers, you know, you get Kawhi Leonard, who a lot of people's arguing is the best is the best player in the league right now. You get Paul George with Kawhi Leonard, two of the to me the two best two-way players in all the NBA is on one team. The problem with the Clippers, however, now the Clippers are stacked. They have, like I said, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. They have Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. They have Montrezl Harold. They have Larry Shamit. They have so many pieces. They are deep in so many areas. The problem with the Clippers that a lot of people are not going to talk about, while we talk about their defensive juggernaut and while we talk about they have so many pieces, I apologize if I hit the, <laughs> they have so many pieces, one thing that isn't being discussed is outside of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams is known to being a poor defender. Montrez Harold, while he, he gives a lot of energy and he's great on rebounds, he's still 6'6", 6'5". He's still undersized for the center position. And to be honest, he can, to me, he can only play the center position unless he plays a little bit of the power forwards position. However, you know, when you, when you match up against power forwards like Paul uh, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, um, to a lesser, you know, Draymond Green, you can get exposed. And, and, and Montrez Harrell really isn't known to be a defender. Neither is Larry Shamit. So while we are hyping, and, and yes, don't get me wrong, I think the Clippers' defense will be great. 
just off the strength of you have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Patrick Beverly, but outside of those three, you have a lot of people that can get exposed. You have a lot of people that you can you can exploit. You can exploit Lou Williams. Yeah, he'll drop 50 on you, but he'll get 50 dropped in his head. Yeah, you can exploit exploit Montel, I mean Montel. You can exploit uh, Montrez Harold. Not only exploit him on defense, you can exploit him on offense. He's not an offensive weapon like that, unless he's around the rim, but you can just pack the paint. Uh, Larry Shaman, he's a great, great shooter. And he's a solid player, you know, a solid young player. The problem with Larry Shamit is he doesn't play defense either. So you have a lot of player. You have a couple players at any given time. While you have three great defenders, you still have two more, which you can just get in pick and roll positions and and, and go to work. So do I think that these problems that that could plague the Lakers and the Clippers uh, really derail them? No. Uh, maybe, maybe the Clippers come, I mean, maybe the Lakers come to playoffs, but especially shooting, but I don't think that they'll derail anybody. I do think that due to load management with both teams, I don't think that they'll both be at the number, the number one seed in the West, especially when there's, we know that there are other teams that are like the, like the, uh, Denver Nuggets, like the Utah Jazz, like, um... Portland, those teams are going to try to go hard in the regular season because they want to get as close to the number one seed as possible. When you have teams like the Lakers and the Clippers, they know they'll make it regardless. So I don't see them really making a push to get to the um, to get number one seed. They just want to be healthy enough come playoff time. We saw that formula work with uh, Golden State last five years. While they have dealt with injury, their injuries are usually in the regular season, and they pace themselves. While the pacing themselves didn't look like pacing themselves, that's just because they were so good. But they paced themselves until the regulars. I mean, to the uh, playoffs, and they just went. They just they just took off every single year. You saw that last year with the Toronto Raptors, uh, and, and and the ironic part about it is. The reason, to me, the reason why they won, yes, they were the fresher team in the deep, in the deep team, but Golden State ran. Usually, Golden State is the team that is the healthiest. Last year was the year that they ran into that unhealthy wall. You know, Kevin Durant going out, Andre Gudala dealing with injury, uh, Steph Curry dealing with injury, Klay Thompson being out uh, after having a good game six. So, again, it is exciting to see how the Lakers and the Clippers will do. And it's also crazy that I don't I don't I don't think the Clippers have you know I don't think the Clippers don't do not have a home court advantage because they play in the Staples Center and of course you have LeBron and A D. Those fans and, and it's the Lakers. Those fans are, are are automatically gonna be Lakers fans. But it's 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 good to see and exciting to see uh how how it's gonna go. So you know that's 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 exciting, you know. Uh, another another storyline, of course, is the duos. There's, you know, with the with go, with Kevin Durant not only dealing with injury, which I hope he gets back soon. I don't expect to see him this year, and in fact, he already said he's not coming back this year. But with Kevin Durant leaving Golden State, with Kawhi Leonard leaving the uh, Toronto Raptors, with both <laughs> Paul George and 
Westbrook gone from OKC, with Chris Paul gone from Houston. There are so many duos in the league, and it's exciting. There's no more trios like that. Well, I will talk about that in a second. But, you know, you have uh, Brooklyn's duo that we'll see next year. You have Portland with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You have, of course, LeBron and AD, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You have, uh, you know, uh, to a lesser extent, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. Uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like, they're, I want to see how this year goes. I want to see just how, while a lot of, a lot of people want to say, oh, the, the, the playing field is leveled. It's not as leveled as you think, but because if you look at the, the talent discrepancy from the East to the West, it is crazy different. But there's no more, like, there's no more, okay, Golden State is a shoe-in to, to being in the NBA Finals. So, you know, it's exciting to see. I, I want to see how they do. We'll talk a little bit more about that with the five-pole predictions, but that's, a, that's another thing that I'm excited about. And lastly, before we go to the predictions, these contract extensions, man, they, they came with a flurry yesterday. Uh, you know, Jalen Brown, four years, $15 million extension, which to me is wild. And I say that I understand if you have faith in him to get better, but there is nothing that I've seen, especially the last two years. Yes, in fact, let's talk about the last two years. The year before last, he was great in the regular season. He was really good. But come playoff time, it was Jason Tatum that carried the team. And actually, quite as it's kept, he struggled in the playoffs come uh, two years ago. Last year, not only did he struggle in the playoffs, he struggled the entire year. Now, a lot of people want to attest that to, okay, playing with uh, Kyrie Irving. You know, he didn't like his role change, this, that, and third. But not liking your role change, I mean, role change, and not hitting shots, not hitting open shots at that, that should not coincide together. So, I, I, okay, I get the fact that he's young. But I get the fact that his upside could be high. But four years, 15 million? Yo. That, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine, man. What I would do, I'm 6'2". What I would do to be 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, man. Oh, man. If they're giving out contracts like four years, 15 million to, to Jalen Brown, again. And, and, and people's like, you know, do you know how important he is to the Celtics? Clearly it wasn't that important because last year he didn't do good. And they still made it to the playoffs. Yes, they had Kyrie, but they didn't do that good. So, uh, you know, that's, that's that. Now, now another thing, uh, another player that got, that got an extension or a max contract was Pascal Siakam. I believe it was five years, $130 million. That was a great signing, and I'll tell you why. Just, Toronto just won their first championship when it comes to basketball. And then you saw... To me, the greatest player of your franchise, even though he played one year in Kawhi Leonard, you saw him up and leave. Now, I'm not talking about a legacy act. That would probably, probably be um, you know, DeMar DeRozan. But Kawhi Leonard was the best thing that ever happened to y'all because it got y'all championship. He was the best player. Yes, Kawhi Leonard all the time is better than Vince Carter. He's better than Tracy McGrady right now. He's better than uh, uh, Kyle Lowry, trash self. 
<laughs> I was about to curse. And he's better than um, DeMar DeRozan. So the best thing that, the best player that ever played for your franchise, yes, even Chris Bosh, is gone. The last thing you want is an up-and-coming star. And, and, and Pascal Siakam last year, not only did he win the uh, most improved player, but Pascal Siakam right now is the best player on the team. Yes, that's even above Kyle Lowry, that's above Marcus Gasol, that's above Sergi Ibaka. He's the best player on the team. He emerged as a player that not only could put the ball on the ground, but with his length, he's like a, to me, he's like a Draymond Green that can score. He has a little bit of a, a little bit of T-Mac in him. And when I say T-Mac, it's the ability to get to the rim. Um, no, he doesn't play defense like, like, Draymond Green, but the way that Golden State uses Draymond Green as a Swiss Army knife is the same way Toronto uses Pascal Siakam or used Pascal Siakam last year. So when you have a player that is that good and, and continues to rise, because if you think two years ago, Pascal Siakam was a bum, and I mean a bum bum. Now I'm not talking about, I mean, he's still in the NBA, so everybody in the NBA good, but he was a bum. Two years ago, you wouldn't know who he was if you weren't from wherever the hell he's from. Now he's a household name if you know basketball. Pascal Siakam, that's the, the last thing you want to do is lose two players. Is lose a player like Kawhi Leonard. And, and a lot of people knew he was gone. But no matter how much money you threw at him. But the last thing you want to do is lose Pascal, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, and lose Pascal Siakam, and, and he goes to another team and becomes a printing all-star. That's the last thing you want, not only for the, the, your team and the franchise of Toronto. Like, think about it. Chris Bosh left. Uh, T-Mac left. Vince Carter left. And they all, except for Chris Bosh, kind of left unceremoniously. DeMar DeRozan was unceremoniously traded. So the last thing you want is, an, is, is losing another potential star. Right now, he's, he's on the cusp of being an all-star. I think he'll be an all-star this year due to the fact that how weak the East is. Um, and if he continues to improve his game, the, of course, I believe he's going to be an all-star. Um, but you don't want to lose a player like that, especially after losing Kawhi Leonard. So that, to me, was a good, necessary signing. Another good necessary signing was DeJounte Murray for four years, $61 million. DeJounte Murray, of course, coming, coming off of, I think he tore his ACL or tore his NIS or something like that, but he missed the whole season last year. And even with them missing, him missing the whole season, the Spurs still made it to the playoffs. Even with their clear weakness point guard position. Yes, Patty Mills tried to do his thing, but Patty Mills is not a starter. Uh, neither is DeMar DeRozan when it comes to point guard position. So DeJounte Murray, I think he's like 6'4", 6'5". He's a long, lengthy point guard where he's not the best offensively, but with his length, he's, he's solid defensively. And, you know, he, he's, he's a starting point guard, especially in, in uh, a Spurs system. So that to me was a great uh, extension. Um, Tarian Prince for two years, $29 million extension. That was good, especially with Kevin Durant not playing this year. Uh, you're going you're gonna to want somebody to play the power, I mean, the small four slash power forward position while he'll be an undersized power forward. 
He'll be a he's a solid small forward. You know, defensively, his his offense is getting better. That was really good. Uh, Sabonis got a four year, seventy nine point four million dollar extension. That was most definitely important, just because how important he is to Indiana. We don't know how close Victor Oladipo is yet. So you know, a team with him. Um, you you need something stable, and, and Sabonis not only has improved ever since leaving OKC, but he's one of the most exciting players that Indiana has. So, you know, you got Malcolm Brogdon. Indiana's, especially in the East, a playoff team. So you want to lock up your players. Um, and the last time I talk about when it comes to these extensions is Buddy Hill. Now, as we, uh, uh, for people that know, Buddy Hill has won an extension for a while. I think they threw a low ball number at him, and he went to the press, or the press after him about it, and he was like, yo, you know, I want to be here, but if they don't want me to be, if they don't want to, uh, if they're not going to pay, in, in layman's terms, if they're not going to pay, you know, we're, me and my team is going to look elsewhere, you know, how many, how many players or free agents came to Sacramento? He pretty much was like, yo, y'all need me. <laughs> and... They knew that, and that's why they gave him four years, $86 million. Do I think Buddy Heald is a top player? No. Do I think he's a top shooting guard? No. Do I think he's one of the top shooters in the league? Uh, top 10. I can give him top 10. And with that, see, the reason why I think play teams like Indiana with Sabonis or teams like um, Sacramento with Buddy Heald, uh, the Spurs with DeJounte Murray, for lack of a better term, Boston for and, and Jalen Brown. The reason why I think that they're so open to give them extensions is because those teams not only are fringe playoff teams, but can make, you know, with a solid player or two or with a, a solid piece or two, can make a run, you know, especially in the East. Boston, well, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Boston, you know, they they... They were just in the Eastern Conference Finals, what, two years ago. Uh, of course, with Doug Pop, uh, Greg Popovich, you know, and, and now with DeJounte Murray coming back and locked up, you never know the run that the Spurs can go on. Um, Brooklyn is in a new you know, phase with Kyrie Irving and De, uh, DeAndre Jordan and Kevin Durant. With Kevin Durant out for a year, you, you want to get off to a good foot, especially in the East. Uh, Buddy Hill... Because you paid Buddy Hill, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to pay De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox. You're gonna have to pay uh, Marvin Bagley. You're gonna have to pay players like uh, Bo, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. You're gonna have to play players like that. So right now, this is your core. Your core is young, and you want if if you really believe in your core, you want to lock them up as long as possible and have them develop. While I'm not too sure if they're a playoff team next year, if they continue to develop and develop because they've, as you've seen, they've gotten better year after year, you, there's no telling. So you don't want a player like Buddy Hield, who is one of the, I guess, pillars to the rebuild or the successful rebuild that the, the, the Kings are in right now. You don't want them to leave. So I get why you would pay you know, the extension. Even with Jalen Brown, while I don't think he deserves four years, one hundred fifteen million, I do understand that if you have a if you expect him to grow 
and, and you have to expect him to grow to pay him $115 million. If you expect him to reach his potential along with uh, Jason Tatum to reach their potential, along with Kemba Walker to reach their potential, along with, you know, players like Taco Fall or Carson Edwards. If you expect them to reach their potential or, 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 or Marcus Smart, you don't want that to leave the building. So I understand why you would pay them and extend them. So there's that. Um, yeah, man, <laughs> this is, this is going to be... I also believe these extensions are coming because if you look next year to the free agent class, this year we saw 40% of the league free agents. And I believe maybe 40% of the league changed teams. We're not going to see you know, the big names like uh, Kawhi Leonard, KD, um, Paul George, who even was in the free agent. But we're not going to see the big free agents. The, the biggest free agent next year is probably Anthony Davis. And I don't see him, I, I don't see him leaving after the, the train wreck that he caused with, you know, asking for, to, asking for a trade from New Orleans to L.A. I don't see him leaving L.A. anytime soon unless he just wants to be America's most hated. And I, I don't think that's what he wants. Uh, he he's already even said about talked about legacy, and that's terrible for legacy. So after Anthony Davis, the free agent class is kind of kind of iffy. So that's why you'll see a lot of extensions because you don't know what you're getting in the free agent class. You don't know what you're getting on the trade block. So you want to lock up as many players, or or you want to you want to secure all your your talent now because you don't know. Let this year's free agent class, like I said, is not going to be like last year. So, or this summer is not going to be like last summer. So, don't expect to get the huge names. That's just not going to happen. So, that's why I see a lot of these extensions coming, rightfully so. So, with that being said, uh, we're let me let me get up for this. Uh, let me let me let me get up for this. With that being said, we're gonna get to the five. But before we get to the season award predictions, I'm gonna get to my five bold predictions going to the season no i don't i believe all these will happen because they're my bold predictions but i do if they don't i mean we don't know the the season starts tonight we don't know uh but one my first bold prediction is golden state makes the makes it to the playoffs but clay thompson does not play this year and i'll tell you why Golden State has been to the finals the last five years. Golden State is, to me, a tired team. And when I say tired, they've been in the, even, even before making the, making the finals the last five years, the year before, I believe they made like the second round. So Golden State is a tired team. Not to mention, we remember how KD ended last year with the injury. And we remember how Clay's season ended. The last thing Golden State wants is another PR nightmare if Klay Thompson goes out there earlier than expected and gets hurt again. Now, I'm not saying that will happen, but that is the last thing they want because they already saw the debacle with Kevin Durant. Now, do I think that KD, I mean, uh, Klay would bounce like Kevin Durant? No, he already got paid. But I do think that that would be a PR nightmare if your star, if one of your star players, let me turn this off. If one of your star players and Kevin Durant 
has an injury. His camp has already come out, or some people has already come out and said he was misdiagnosed. He comes back. In the game he comes back, after many people were saying he was not ready, he ruptures his Achilles. That has been a PR nightmare for the Golden State medical staff. The last thing they want, and the, the last thing I see them doing, is rushing Clay, uh, Clay or Clay being at the, the, the knocking the door of his, of his uh, rehab finale, and they're them saying, let's go, Clay, we need you. Especially if his first, they're talking about coming back towards April or May. That is the heart of the playoffs. The, the first, the, to me, it would not be smart for Clay and Golden State to the first time you play Clay is in the playoffs where the, the energy is high. He, he missed the whole season, so he's, he's going to have to get his wind and breath under him, and he's not going to be able to do that in the playoffs. Not to mention, I do think, like I said, Golden State will make the playoffs, but maybe a sixth, no, a fifth, sixth, a fifth through eighth seed. I don't think, even with Clay coming back, trying to get his legs under him in that series, I don't think with Clay, because he wouldn't be completely ready, I don't think they win that series. So if they're not going to win the series with Clay, I don't think that they'll necessarily bring him out. Now, if Clay comes back hella early, like All Star break, and he looks really good, that changes everything. If Clay comes back early and, and gets maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 regular season games in him and he looks really good, I think Golden State will make the Western Conference Finals. You heard it here. But that's only if Clay comes back early. If Clay comes back, you know, close, maybe five, six games or 10 games before the playoffs, I don't see that. I, don't, I wouldn't play him. And I don't think they would. So my first bold prediction is Golden State makes the playoffs because you still have Steph Curry, who is a two-time MVP, unanimous once, uh, a three-time champion, one of the greatest shooter of all time. You still have him. You still have Draymond Green, who, like I said earlier, is a Swiss Army knife. You have D'Angelo Russell, who's one of the best pick-and-roll uh, offensive guards, uh, one of the best shooters uh, when it comes to guards. Like, you still have the, that three Along with, you know, Kevon Looney, who's important. When Willie Cauley-Stein comes back, he'll be important. You know, you have a lot of young players that, that, that show promise. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and D'Angelo Russell alone will get you to the playoffs. Do I think they'll win you a series alone? I think they could. It just depends on who the matchup is. If they get the four, fifth through the eighth seed... I see them going against Denver, which even with that three and Clay trying to get his legs back, they're not winning. The Lakers, they're not winning with Clay getting his legs back. The Clippers, they're not winning with Clay getting his legs back. Utah, they're not, they might win against Utah. I don't know. So I just, with Steph alone, I can see it, but I don't, I don't see them rushing Clay back nor feeling like they're forcing him. Yes, I know Clay is a competitor and he's going to do whatever he can to get back on the court, but I also understand that 
Golden State's medical, sca- medical staff is going to be extremely cautious on this one. I just know that. Uh, the next bold prediction is Russell Westbrook and James Harden will emerge as the best duo in the league. As, as I said before, you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Um, you know, uh, until Clay gets back, you have uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You have Damian Lillard and <laughs> CJ McCollum. You have Joel Embiid and, and um, Ben Simmons. I think that. And, and this really only depends on Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is able to understand that James Harden is one of the top five to six best players in the league and able to, 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 to play more of a facilitator role instead of a I need to score role. I think they will become one of the most lethal duos in the NBA. Uh, and I think they'll become the best doing the NBA. You have a player in James Harden who can drop 60, 10, and 10 on any given night. Then you look over and you have Russell Westbrook who drops 24, 20, and 20 on any given night. Now, do I think, I think we'll look up a couple games, not just one, a couple games where both of them have a triple-double. And it, it, it really depends, and it's not just Russell Westbrook, it also depends on James Harden. If James Harden doesn't try to rein his game back, and the fact that, yes, Russell, Russell Westbrook needs the ball to be, to be effective, but you also got to understand, Russell Westbrook is not Chris Paul. Chris Paul, may, even at this stage, is better offensively than Russell Westbrook, so there's gonna, it's not like a your turn, my turn situation. They have to blend together. If they're able to blend together, which I think they will, they are, to me, they will be the best duo in the NBA, hands down. Because, again, how are you going to stop? Yes, defensively they might be iffy, but how are you going to stop two players that are, that are easily able to get a triple-double? They both, you're dealing with two incredible court visions, two incredible offensive players in their own right. James Harden can kill you from deep. Russell Westbrook, with his athleticism and his energy, can kill you from the inside, you know, you know, uh, slash into the paint. That is such a hard duo to stop defensively. And offensively, what do you do with that? Especially with a Mike D'Antoni scheme. So there's that. Uh, my third bold prediction is Markel Fultz will have a breakout year. I know I'm pretty crucial or critical on Markel Fultz because... I, like you, saw what he was in, go, in uh, Philly. He was terrible. And then I saw when he went to Orlando and didn't and, and played a little bit, but he was hurt. So I'm like, all right, like at this point, he, his jump shot, he continues to change his jump shot. He doesn't look like he has any confidence. Um, the player that we saw at Washington is not the player here. Like, I'm done with Markel Fultz. <laughs> Then I start, started seeing some workouts, and I am one to always say do not trust the workouts, but, or do not trust the hoop mixtapes because there's nobody in the gym. But then I saw his confidence continue to rise in the preseason. Now, when I say breakout year, I don't think he'll be an all-star. I don't think he'll be one of the top guards in the East. I don't think that at all. But I think that for his confidence, 
he'll have a break. He, he won't be scared to shoot. He won't be scared to slash. He won't be scared to to. Uh, he won't be scared of contact. I think he'll be a very productive player. Do I think he'll be number one overall pick status like he is? No. But I do think that when we talk about breakout, he will have a very productive season for the Orlando Magic, especially him alongside Aaron, Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross. I think he and Vucevic, he will have a very productive season, prompting him having a quote-unquote breakout season. My fourth bold prediction is Whiteside does not make it the entire season in Portland. In fact, Whiteside gets traded at the trade deadline for Kevin Love. We've heard for years that, Ke- that Portland has been trying to get Kevin Love. We heard for years that Kevin Love will be, would be perfect for Portland alongside Damian Lillard and CJ McCullough. One thing that Portland has not had or has not been willing to get, get rid of is pieces especially a big four big. While Whiteside is nowhere close to the talent that um, to the talent that Kevin Love is, they, he, along with a couple draft picks, maybe a couple uh, th- fill-in players, to me is enough to get Kevin Love, and especially a Kevin Love from a Cavaliers team that has no incentive of being good this year. So you bring in Whiteside with uh, Darius Garland, with Colin Sexton, That'll be exciting for them. And you bring Kevin Love over to Portland, I think he is a piece that can bring them over the top. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. I think that with Kevin Love, they could make it all the way to the finals. I don't know if they will make it to the finals, but I do think one of my bold predictions is they will trade Hassan Whiteside with maybe a couple picks and a couple players for Kevin Love by the trade deadline. And speaking of trades, my last bold prediction is Blake Griffin gets traded by the trade deadline. No, I'm not saying Blake Griffin will get traded because he's a bum. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm saying Detroit, I think Detroit's playing with two expectations. Detroit is playing with the expectation that they're, they're, the East is so weak this year that they want to make the playoffs, but then they also have the expectation that they don't really have the players, maybe outside of Blake Griffin and, to a lesser extent, Andre Jordan. They don't, I mean, DeAndre, DeAndre Drummond. They don't, or Andre Drummond, <laughs> what am I saying? They don't have the, the, the they don't know if they have the, uh, the, the structure to be a playoff team. So I think by the trade deadline, they will either know, okay, we can make it to the playoffs. I, I, I think they know if they make it to the playoffs, they have no shot, but they, they still made it. But if they're, if they're at a point where they're not even in playoff contention, even, if, even in the East that's so weak, I think that they'll look to trade Blake Griffin because they're already paying Blake Griffin a fortune. You don't want to pay him a fortune and you're not winning. Now, do I think it's Blake Griffin's fault? Why they're not winning? No. That's because of the crap that they have around them. I mean, they saw Reggie Jackson getting paid. And Reggie Jackson ain't passed the ball since 2K9. So, when you have a player, you don't want him to be disgruntled and, and, and be the highest paid player on your team. So, I, don't, I think that if, if Detroit is not in a playoff position 
in or come trade deadline, I think Baker, Blake Griffin's gone. I think I don't know where he's going. Watch out for a Golden State trade. Maybe D'Lo and a couple, a couple players for Blake Griffin if they can make the money work. Watch out for a Portland trade if they don't get Kevin Love. Or watch out for a... Hmm, let me think. Where would be a good place for Blake Griffin? Uh, watch out for a Boston Celtics uh, trade. Now, Boston Celtics already tried to get a whole bunch of stars. I don't know, but just watch out for it. Or watch out for the Timberwolves. Watch out for the Timberwolves because they've been trying to get off a couple players. Hint, hint, Andrew Wiggins. Hint, hint, maybe Carl Anthony Jones. So watch out for that. So... Um, before we leave, I am going to give my season war predictions. Of course, these are my predictions, just like the last, just like the bowl predictions I just did. Um, if they're wrong, they're wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. I'm still going to watch. If you don't agree, of course, with anything I said, you can always leave in the comments. But my, here are my season awards. For MVP, it was tough. I could have went with LeBron because I think LeBron's going to try to go on a tear this year uh, because a lot of people in his camp have said a lot of people in his camp have said that they're they're going to do that. Um, I could have gave it with Steph Curry. You know he he's playing solo dolo when it comes to offense. Him and D'Lo, so he's going to have forty, probably fifty point games this season. A multiple a multitude of them. I could have done um, James Harden. I mean he's still. One of the best offensive players ever. Uh, I could have done um, Anthony Davis because, you know, Anthony Davis is still one of the best players in the league. And while that hasn't really been showcased on the Pelicans as much as it, it, it could have, he's still one of the best players. And I think that will shine for L.A., but I have to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo, only because how weak the West, I mean the East is. The East maybe has one or two teams, that we, maybe three, that we have to worry about this year. And at Antetokounmpo's position, which if you really think about it, we don't know his position. I mean, he's classified as a powerful or point forward, but he can play anything from the one to the five. I think... He was unstoppable last year. If he, he said he's been working on his jump shot. If he has been working on his jump shot, and his jump shot, especially mid-range jump shot, I'm not expecting a Steph Curry three, but if his, if his mid-range gets around 40 43%, he will be unstoppable. And from what I've heard, he's, he's been working on it. So my MVP to me has to go to Giannis. While I think the Bucks will take a step back this year, I do think, you know, yes, they got Malcolm Brogdon, and yes, they have a couple pieces, but the Bucks, they, they expect a lot of Giannis, and they expect a lot of the players like Chris Middleton, and I don't know if Chris Middleton, while he was a fringe All-Star last year, well, you know, he made the All-Star team, but he, you know, who else made in the East? You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the Bucks being as good as they were last year, but I do see Giannis 
elevating his game because every year he's elevated his game. So MVP, I will go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. My dark horse MVP will be Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard in the in the Portland Trailblazers continue to grow year after year. Uh, do I? I think that one thing that they will have that a lot of teams won't, especially if they make a trade or if all the pieces click, is they'll have the wins. Um, do I think he's better than Steph Curry? No, but I do think that he could have more wins than Steph Curry, and that's one thing that will that could hold Steph Curry back. So. My dark horse for MVP, my MVP selection will be Giannis, um, or pre, you know, prediction will be Giannis, but a dark horse, Damian Lillard. Defensive player of the year, it was a toss-up to me between AD and Embiid, and I had to go with Embiid uh, because he was one of the best defensive players last year, even though he did deal with injury. When he's on the court, he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a rim stopper. Or he's a he's a rim protector. Um, he just has to stay on the court and be healthy, which is why my dark horse is Anthony Davis. I think they're neck and neck, honestly. Uh, Anthony Davis could have won last year. It's just all the turmoil and stuff that went down at um, in New Orleans. He could have won last year. So my defensive player of the year, I I see it being Joel Embiid. And he already came out and said that's that's one of his goals. He wants to he wants to win that. Uh, but. I can see Dark Horse being Anthony Davis. Rookie of the Year is funny. Um, a lot of people think Zion's going to run away with it. And a lot of people think that um, because of the hype and because of his, you know, his physical attributes, it's Zion's to lose. And I think it is Zion's to lose, but I don't think Zion will win Rookie of the Year. My pick for Rookie of the Year is Michael Porter Jr. All the reports that we're hearing from Denver is saying that Michael Porter Jr. is beginning to look like the former player that a lot of people thought before his injury in Missouri was a number one overall pick. And some of the preseason you know, play that we saw makes it seem like he's, he's, he's starting to understand the game and he's starting to get back to where we thought he would be. So I think that he will play a very important part for Denver this year, especially with Denver trying to get the, the number one overall seed in the West. So with that being, and I think he'll play a lot of minutes because he'll be that, that good and that important for Denver. So I think rookie of the year will be Michael Porter Jr. And my dark horse will be John ja Morant. I think John ja Morant is exciting. I think John ja Morant is one of the best if not the best guard that came out of this year's draft. No, I don't think Memphis will have a lot of wins, but I do think that he is, he along with Jaron Jackson, is extremely exciting in, in, in a league pass team. That's what uh, Jalen Rose likes to call a team uh, that you don't mind watching on league pass any given night. So my dark horse will be uh, John Morant. Um, Sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. I don't. I can't really think of another sixth man that I think Lou Williams not only will have the points and not only will have the wins, but he's he's a recognizable name. Uh, he, I don't know if Derrick Rose is starting. If Derrick Rose doesn't start, uh, I think he could be sixth man of the year. That's my dark horse if he doesn't start. 
But um, right now I have uh, I have Lou Will. I don't really see anybody coming close to beating him. Um, Coach of the year, I have Brett Brown. There's a reason why I have Brett Brown. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later or a little bit going down, but Brett Brown will be my coach of the year. It, that's, that's my opinion. My uh, dark horse coach of the year will be, could be Quinn Snyder because I see Utah being really good this year. The acquisition of Mike Conley is huge for them. I, I think Quinn Snyder could win. That's my dark horse, but I think the you know, coach of the year, Brett Brown. I'll say why in a minute. Most improved, I have Lonzo Ball. I think um, Lonzo Ball paired with... Now, this, this also depends on how good Zion Williamson turns out. I think that duo will bring the best... Not only will that duo bring the best out of Lonzo Ball, but I think that it will... You know, a, a change of scenery is exactly what Lonzo Ball needed. So I think we will see the best of Lonzo Ball especially with a player that he can thrive on. Uh, his, his shot looks a lot better. Um, when I say a lot, I don't think he's a sharp sniper or anything. But his shot looks better. He's surrounded by uh, good veterans. And he has, a young, he has a young stud who I think Zion needs him just like Lazo needs him. So I think most improved will be uh, Lonzo Ball. I think... Uh, my dark horse most improved, and that depends on his health, is Isaiah Thomas for the Washington Wizards. I, th- I, don't, I don't think the Wizards will be that good. I think they can make the playoffs. Just, just because how weak the East is, I think they can make the playoffs. However, I, don't know, I know he's dealing with uh, coming back, rehabbing injuries. So I don't know how, many, how much he'll play, but I do think that he, will get a lot of, he can get a lot of minutes for Washington, especially with John Wall not being there and Ish Smith being his competition at the point. Uh, he'll get a lot of run at the point, and you know he, he'll be able to showcase his talent. He continues to say, you know, a comeback is coming, which I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying he has ample. He would have ample opportunity. Uh, one award that's not given that I'm going to give is most disappointing, and I think that could go to Kimball Walker. Um, I don't think Kimball Walker is a bad player. I don't think Kimball Walker is. Uh, trash or anything, but I do think that they they expect a lot in um, in Charlotte. I mean, in Boston from Kimba, especially after Kyrie leaving. But what I saw for Kimba in the Team USA was he's an inefficient shooter a lot more times than he is efficient. Yes, he is an incredible, incredible offensive weapon, but he's never played on the team with expectation except for UConn. And even then, they didn't really have expectations coming into the season. He never really played on a team with expectation, and he's never been on a team that's expecting to at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, with that expectation, hell, again, what I saw from Tim USA, he's just too many, to- too many times he- he's an inefficient scorer. So, I don't know how that's going to fare, but I think he could be the most disappointing because a lot of people are going to continue to compare him to what happened with Kyrie. And I don't know if he'll be able to live up to, you know, what Kyrie did, but Kyrie didn't do much in Boston. But again, I think Boston, especially their fans, have a incredible ceiling 
or have a have a expectation that's incredibly high. Let's just say that. Uh, my dark horse, uh, for most disappointing, will go to or could go to um, Ben Simmons. Yes, we saw him take and make a three point shot, but. I think we need to hit, I think we need to see Ben Simmons continue to improve offensively. Uh, yes, he's still one of the best. He has some of the best court vision. He's still one of the most physically dominant uh, guard, point fours, whatever you want to call it in the league. But until his confidence rises in shooting, not just shots, but his confidence rises, and that we could that could he continues to say it's coming, it's coming, and he's working on it. But if if we get the same Ben Simmons from last year. In fact, Ben Simmons one one reason why the Sixers didn't beat Toronto because he struggled the entire series. So I hope that you know Kimball Walker and and Ben Simmons aren't most disappointing, but they could be. Uh, my NBA Finals, I have the Clippers and the Sixers, and that is the reason why I have Brett Brown winning the NBA uh, Coach of the Year. I, I think the Sixers pull it together. You know, they have Tobias Harris. They have Ben Simmons. They have Joel Embiid. They have uh, Josh Richardson. They have uh, Al Horford now, who is a big get for them. They have so many pieces. While they don't have a lot of shooting, I think that they can get that, you know, buyouts and trade deadline. I think they can do that. But, and I'm going out on a limb, but I have the Sixers winning the NBA Finals. You know, yeah. When I look at the Lakers, when I look at the Clippers, when I look at any team in the West, while they have solid players, I'm, like I said, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul George, when you look at the Sixers, they can have a roster out of players 6-5 and up at every single position. They can... While, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis would be the best duo, they'll have the best, you know, center in that, in that series. They'll have the best point guard in that series. They'll have somebody that, wow, he's not going to stop LeBron. You can put uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, you can put Ben Simmons on LeBron. You can put Joel Embiid on Anthony Davis. Um, or even Howard Horford. Like, you have that height and that size and that... And that IQ will be off the charts when you come with, just like I said, with the Clippers. Outside of Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard and Patrick Beverly, you can, exp- you can, you can put Landry Shamit. Uh, Josh Richardson, I don't know if they have a field day, but that's what they could expect. Or you can have him, you can put pick and rolls and try to have him switch with uh, Ben Simmons. You can Montrez Harold will get destroyed against Joel Embiid. So, if everything goes well and works out the way I think it will, the 76ers will win the NBA Finals, and Joel Embiid will be NBA Finals MVP. That's my prediction. Uh, there you have. Oh, before I go, also tonight, World Series Game One, Washington uh, Nationals against the Houston Astros. It's the two two best pitching teams in the in the um in the playoffs this year are facing head to head. 
I hope I wish we would have saw the Yankees because I think that would have been a better matchup for us. But I don't know. I, I, I'll take it. Hell, we're in the World Series. Whether we win or lose, I don't really care. I'm just excited. So that's also tonight. I'm probably going to be watching that as well. I'm going to have two TVs, have watching the Lakers and Clippers as well as the Nationals in Houston game one. Uh, but there you have it. This has been another episode of Unpopular Podcast. Unpopular questions. If you have any questions, you can always send it to me. You can DM, text, call, email, put in the comments. I don't care. I'm here. Again, this is Unpopular Questions. I mean, Unpopular Podcast and Unpopular Questions will be here on Thursday. And until next time, much love. Oh, actually, no. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Wherever you listen to, please subscribe. It would mean the world to me. And share it, man. I mean, for people that see on social media, y'all see me share it. Just, just share it. Hey, give your boy some love. Now, until next time, much love. Certain fears of being caught up in a crossfire I love it when you say you off and you finna come I pray I just don't get involved in your hit and run You drive me crazy every time that you give me some It ain't no safety in your arms, make me get a gun Really all I ever wanna do is zoom and zoom, zoom Make you shake your rump when I shoot through Ain't no full moon You was doing all that wolf and shit like too soon Make me choo-choo Lose my train of thought like who you? You, you, you get the portrait so I can see what you paint me as Think that my current darkness was born in my shady past Think that that minor fall only got me this major bag Only been saying that just to know what you aiming at Cause I don't think you know that You can't even feel no more You, 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 you don't really want this violence. You don't really want this violence. I swear it ain't me. It's I guess it's you, back to you. seeing liquor mixed with agony. Steady attacking me, I live to be your casualty. Some type of strategy, you sleeping with your back to me. You text me deadly words that seem to kill my battery, uh Hey, don't be asking what I'm on when you know you're doing wrong Wanna put you in a song, but ain't trying to get you known Be wasting my time Time in, time in, yo, yo Like, don't be telling me you home when you know you're not alone I have been feeling like I'm gone, like you shot me in my dome Either way, it's a crime Violence, violence, yo, yo The lost morals of my generation 
Oh, we need heartbreak for inspiration So we on different pages Like don't be telling me you five minutes out When you know that I'm waiting Don't be pulling up and turning off for your notification Cause I see You can't even feel no more I swear it ain't me